they fooled me. I need to think more carefully next time they try and fool me. No, they just continue with the programming. These people are completely and utterly slave-minded, genuinely slaves. They live inside of a system, and the system they're going to purport and fight to defend is going to destroy them. They're not fighting for a system which is going to give them anything other than absolute slavery and tyranny. This transmission is coming to you. This transmission is coming to you. This transmission is coming to you. Welcome to your deep dive for truth. Everyone out there is searching for the truth, but sometimes the truth hurts. It can have repercussions that are detrimental to the health and safety of you and your family. The first thing all truthers need to know is that the system will always try and discredit the information provider when said provider start informing the general population and get too close to the truth. Therefore, the deep dive for truth team, we stay safe and anonymous while providing the opinions or facts that some of you may have never heard before. The desire for truth runs deep in all truthers. If you want to know more, join us on our deep dive content and support the deep dive for truth team with your positive responses only. Any negative response is not appreciated. Red pill or blue pill? This choice is for real. Reality is here. Would you like to know more? Welcome to Deep Dive for Truth. Welcome to Deep Dive for Truth. This is Big T for Truth, coming to you with an episode on the FDA, CDC, NIH information. I would like to tell everybody that Big T and the Deep Dive for Truth team are doing very well. We're surviving. We're happy. There are no issues. Remember that. There was almost a mistake with Big T in a medical situation. I don't know if it was pre-planned, but we survived that situation, and... Maybe later on in life I'll talk about it, but it was really a bizarre, bizarre situation medically. I want to just get right into it, steak and potatoes here. So Senator Ron Johnson has something to say, and he's from the United States, which is very, very interesting. Pay attention. Check this out. The bottom line here is the vaccine does not prevent infection, does not prevent transmission. So why would we make anybody take it? It is insane. These are self-inflicted wounds, whether we're talking about the military, within our, our health systems, you know, any parts of our economy where we force people to take a vaccine that doesn't prevent infection or transmission. Again, it's an insane policy. The numbers I have, about 8,000 members of the military have been dismissed. About 17,000 are awaiting some termination on their uh, religious exemption. Uh, so, so this is serious business. But I, I'm, I'm here, and again, I'm speaking for myself. But I'm going to speak on behalf of those that are reluctant to take it. They're not crazy. Again, they, they now know, we now know, that it doesn't prevent transmission at all. It doesn't prevent infection. And the fact of the matter is there are safety signals that anybody who's looking at CDC and NIH and FDA data might have cause for concern about now, part of our problem here is that the FDA, the CDC, the NIH have not been honest. They have not been transparent. Well, Big T and the Deep Dive for Truth team has been saying this all along. There isn't enough honesty and transparency, and, and uh, we know why. Yeah. Ron Johnson, state senator. Interesting stuff. So I am not a big proponent of some of these people, but it's good information, and I would just like them to get their word out. I believe this is one of the great guys of our century. He's pretty ballsy. Let's listen to what he has to say about what's going on. Democracies 
or the pseudo-democracies that we are evolving into. Wars are a result of lies. The Vietnam War and the push for US involvement was a result of the Gulf of Tonkin incident. A lie. The Iraq War famously is a result of lies. Wars in Somalia are a result of lies. The Second World War and the German invasion of Poland was a result of carefully constructed lies. That is war by media. Let us ask ourselves of the complicit media, which is the majority of the mainstream press, what is the average death count attributed to each journalist? When we understand that wars come about as a result of lies peddled to the British public and the American public and the publics all over Europe and other countries, then who are the war criminals? It is not just leaders, it is not just soldiers, it is journalists. Journalists are war criminals. And why one might think that that should lead us to a state of despair, that the reality that is constructed around us is constructed by liars, is constructed by people who are close to those that they are meant to be policing. It should lead us also to an optimistic understanding, because if wars can be started by lies, peace can be started by truth. That was Julian Assange. Some of his stuff is really awesome. I know people out there flip the coin on him, but uh, I really believe that he's on target and on point a lot of the times. And with this one, the thing about you younger people that are listening, you guys are uh, paying attention and have other avenues to see the truth and figure out the truth and use your critical thinking. So that is huge. Don't fall for the lies. Don't fall for the, the press. Don't don't uh, blindly go into anything. Don't believe everything blindly. Like Big T says, do your deep dives. Do your digging. Remember, this is fiction. They are watching. But you guys know what I'm talking about. I'm putting stuff out there so you can, you can actually go and let, let's do some digging. Let's do some looking. And what you're going to find out is we've been warring as a species for probably since the beginning. So what you need to understand is, is that the compassion and the love and the kindness has been there since the beginning too. It depends on which path you choose to believe and which path you choose to go down. And I believe the human species can rise above war and poverty and starvation of our species. I mean, just think of the money spent on governments, cities, buildings, manufacturing, people throughout the whole world, all that money, and then the profits that are just squeezed to the top. Now imagine if we divvied that up Made sure everybody was healthy, number one. Number two, educated with critical thinking. Again, having that, that mindset that you are free and that you are God's gift and you are special and that you need to understand that you're a king or queen. So that was Julian Assange. Pretty good stuff here. Here's another lady. Uh, this is, get, you know, it's coming in hot and heavy, guys. It's it's everywhere. Well, here, what she has to say, I believe this is in England and uh, let's just 
uh, listen to her now. I voted against this report. Its timing is pretty appropriate, coming as it does a few short weeks after the 11th anniversary of the day Libyan leader Muammar Gaddafi was killed during the NATO assault on Libya, sodomized with a bayonet and shot in the head. The NATO intervention in Libya carried out in the name of protecting freedom, democracy and human rights is one we do well to remember as NATO plays out its proxy war in Ukraine in the name of, you've guessed it, freedom, democracy and human rights. Because what happens after NATO intervenes in your country on this basis? Terror, death, lawlessness, rape, poverty, starvation. Libya is a country riven by conflict, its economy shattered, its population, formerly the wealthiest in Africa, ridden and mired in poverty. Migrants are bought and sold in slave markets. A million people rely on humanitarian aid. It's a country of mass graves, of crimes against humanity. This is NATO's legacy. This is NATO's rights strategy This lady here is somebody from NATO, and she voted against this report, and this was pretty good stuff. It's good to hear these people coming out, fighting for the human race. That's I'm just pretty happy with what she had to say there. The biggest farm owner in America, I believe, right now is Bill Gates. And I don't believe he's having the farms worked. So he's basically shutting down food supply and growth. Another interesting fact the team is hearing is that the Netherlands has announced they will seize 3,000 farms in order to meet the 2030 climate goals. Farmers will be forced to sell the land that they have owned for generations to the state. And they're calling it climate communism because the... Uh, the farmers were in an uproar, and they peacefully protested on the streets, but police violently tried to tip over their tractors and threw protesters into black vans. So throughout the world, there's a lot of things happening. So Netherlands, the, the farmers in the Netherlands and the people, uh, once the government gains control of your food, your water, and your air, those are the three things that uh, for survival you're going to need. And once they start gaining control of that, and they can force you to do whatever they want. They can, they, they can depopulate you. And I believe dearly that that's where we're heading. This next information is deep. And it goes by pretty fast because uh, I believe the people putting this out did not want to know who they are. And it has to do with people that are in charge. Families, names that are in the top levels. And this is just something that's pretty good. What I would do is if you get an opportunity, listen to a couple sentences, stop and think about it. Pause your audio for a couple seconds and think about what's being said because it goes by pretty fast. This is a very, very top-level information that you need to know about. Schiff family. History of corruption. The richest family you never heard of. Who is the Schiff family? Going all the way back to a Jewish settlement in the Middle Ages, the Schiff and Rothschilds lived under one roof in Europe. Continued for centuries. Intermarriage and acting as one family. Ultimately beginning the Schiff dynasty with Jacob Schiff. Born Frankfurt, Germany in 1847. At age 18, Jacob sailed for NY, where he moved up the ranks in the American banking industry. Jacob, Rothschild's cousin, became a member of the Kuhn Lo, a European Jewish investment firm, which became the most influential investment firm of the industrial era, helping finance top industry tycoons such as John D. Rockefeller and his expansion on Standard Oil. Jacob, married into Kuhn Loeb becoming head of the firm, yet never changing the name, 
Jacob became the director of National City Bank of NY, Wells Fargo and the Union Pacific Railroad. Also on his resume, Jacob was one of the main financiers of the Bolshevik Revolution which massacred millions of Christians across Russia. Real quick, uh, I'm looking right here at a pyramid. It's got Rothschilds on the top, Schiff and Warburg on the second level. Rockefeller, Morgan, and Harriman on the third level. Lazard Brothers, Goldman Sachs, Browns Brothers, J. Henry Schroeder, Banking Co., and Lehman Brothers. Those guys are the people underneath them supporting them all up. And this is a big power conglomerate. These names, you just need to know those, those extra names. That's what's going on. This Rothschild's cousin quickly implemented the family formula, Jacob. Alongside brother-in-law Paul Warburg waged a relentless campaign towards an American central bank. Those who opposed, conveniently perished in the sinking of the Titanic a year before it was established. J.P. Morgan cancelled his trip on Titanic last-minute apparent illness. With Congress eager to take Christmas leave, it was easy for the banker to pass the Federal Reserve Act of 1913. In 1933, Americans were required to deliver their gold to a Federal Reserve agent under threat of criminal penalties. Meanwhile, the Schiff family maintained their status as banking titans who eventually branched out to build a media empire. The granddaughter of Jacob Schiff, Dorothy Schiff was owner and publisher of the NY Post for almost 40 years. Also the president of the Federal Reserve, Eugene Meyer bought the Washington Post. The Schiff family is far more wealthy than most believe in marrying into politics to preserve their power, such as marrying into the Gore family, Soros family and the Rockefellers. In 1913 a criminal cartel took control of the nation's monetary system. The families in this cartel, including Schiff family, bought and built media outlets as well as purchased politicians and helped push the US into World War I. Both sides of every war were funded by the same bankers. Jacob's son Mortimer Leo Schiff 1877-1931 succeeded his father in running Quinn Logan Co. His daughter Frieda married into the Warburg family, Federal Reserve. Jacob Schiff great-grandson through David T. Schiff is Andrew Schiff, husband of Kirena Gore Schiff, daughter of Al Gore. The father of Al Gore was an associate of communist agent Armand Hema, whose father was the founder of, of the American Communist Party. David Schiff forefather financed the Bolshevik Revolution of 1917, Pilgrim Society. Jacob Schiff was brother-in-law to Solomon Logan and Paul Warburg, chief architect of Federal Reserve Act, descending to Peter Peter Schiff, who is the owner of Euro-Pacific Capital Investments Incorporated, son of Irvin Schiff. Peter worked in the private equity division of EM and a previous officer in the corporate division of Chemical Bank, now JP Morgan Chase and Company, who also helped in the collapse bailout of 2008 under Barry Sotoro. Brings us to Adam Schiff, born Adam Bennett Schiff, June 22, 1960 in Framingham, Massachusetts, graduating from Standard and Harvard, 322, as well as a helicopter crash resulting in the death of Brian R. Richeld, Finance Director of Standard Hotel Joseph Dina, and Kimberly Lynn Watsman, Gen Manager for Standard Hotel. Joseph Pepe Anthony, 60 yo dies when Robinson's R44 heli with Tina and others smashed into a home in Bayview Terrace at Newport. Adam Schiff has also had multiple visits to Edgar, a Democratic donor, arrested after running a drug den, nearly kills a man in the LA district tied to many of Schiff's operations, who is dead now. Adam Schiff is also connected to Ukraine and its corruption of selling out our country though the intermarriage and relatives of the Soros family, Schiff family and Gore family funneling millions personal accounts along with the help of the Biden family and the Pelosi family. 
The Schiff family has been involved in crimes and corruption for centuries. They have played a huge part of the corrupt foundation that currently enslaves us and sells out this country to the highest bidder. They are the richest family you never heard of. This is why you see the panic follow the bloodlines. Know your enemy. Yeah, there's a lot of information there. And know your enemy. If you guys ever want to get a chance to know your enemy, there's actually a, from the beginning of time, if you go to YouTube and look up Know Your Enemy, Episode 1, Part 1, about the Fuel Project, they will actually go through everything. I don't believe everything there is 100% right on, but I think they're trying to get that picture so you can understand what's happening. Again, it's the system, it's it's what's happening, and uh, there's a lot of evil behind it. Whether you believe in God or not, that's okay. I mean, you got to believe in good and evil because that's just the way it is in, in this world. That's a true fact. And, I, you know, I believe in God. I believe Jesus Christ saved me, and he's in my life. And I believe he can do the same for you if you just go to the Bible and actually read what he had to say. Read his words. Powerful, powerful stuff. I'm here for the species. I'm trying to help everybody and maybe along the way save some people. That's, that's an awesome goal and gift to my fellow man. And it doesn't hurt to believe. So the question here is, where did God come from? And so a scientist asked the theologian the question, where does God come from? Because he wanted to discredit him. This is actually a good response. I want you to fill in the story of the rest of the uh, beginning of the universe. God, spiritual matter, impact on material matter. Okay, so two questions. All right. All right, your question, where did God come from, assumes that you're thinking of the wrong, uh, obviously it displays, that you're thinking of the wrong God, because the God of the Bible is not affected by time, space, or matter. If he's, if he's affected by time, space, or matter, he's not God. Time, space, and matter is what we call a continuum. All of them have to come into existence at the same instant, because if there were matter but no space, where would you put it? If there were matter and space but no time, when would you put it? You cannot have time, space, or matter independently. They have to come into existence simultaneously. The Bible answers that in ten words. In the beginning, there's time. God created the heaven, there's space, and the earth. There's matter. So you have time, space, matter created, a trinity of trinities there. Just, you know, time is past, present, future. Space has length, width, height. Matter has solid, liquid, gas. You have a trinity of trinities created instantaneously. And the God who created them has to be outside of them. If he's limited by time, he's not God. The guy who created this computer is not in the computer. He's not running around in there changing the numbers on the screen, okay? The God who created this universe is outside of the universe. He's above it, beyond it, in it, through it. He's, he's unaffected by it. So for, and the, the concept that a, a spiritual uh, force cannot have any effect on a material body, well then I guess you'd have to explain to me things like emotions and love and hatred and envy and jealousy and, and rationality. I mean, if your brain is just a random collection of chemicals that form by chance over billions of years, how on earth can you trust your own reasoning processes and the thoughts that you, you think? Okay, so... Your, your question, where did God come from, is assuming a limited God, and that's your problem. The God that I worship is not limited by time, space, or matter. If I could fit the infinite God in my three-pound brain, he would not be worth worshiping, that's for certain. So that's the God that I worship. Thank you. People need to understand that, that that's the God that we are aspiring to and trying to make it to his heaven. We all have a spark, a gift, a, you know, energy. And when you die... Uh, it's been calculated that there's like 0.23 ounces. They can't explain 
You're not talking about the liquids, you're not talking whatever, it's just some kind of energy weight that actually leaves your body. Well, that spark, when you look into somebody's eye and you can see that they're seeing you and that there's a person inside and that soul and that energy is there, well, it's that spark. And that spark is worth saving and hanging on to and fighting for. We need to just stop. Stop with the hate, stop with the violence, stop with the killing. Unfortunately, the only way that we're going to push back on the system is by, by powering up somebody. If you ever have listened to our episodes, okay, if you've ever listened to our episodes and have learned anything new and it was worth it and you like it and you want to hear more and you want us to keep putting that stuff out there, support us. We're just, we just need everybody to support us. Right now, Big T and the Deep Dive for Truth team, our numbers have gone up a thousand percent. We're starting to get some traction. People are supporting us. People are uh, climbing on board and we're starting to get a little bit of money. Nothing to go up against the system with, but you know, hey, we can buy some German chocolate cakes. We, we really appreciate the coffee, but uh, we definitely need your support. Going back to where we're heading, this is just a doctor that was kind of in trouble for questioning the vaccine. So you really were leading a pretty normal very normal, impressive very, life, but a no, pretty normal. Correct, life. very anonymous. You know, when they were clapping, the, you know, healthcare workers for going in at night. I was just one of those anonymous people in blue, you know, like in the PPE, just doing my job. I thought, you know, taking care of sick people. But I was excited, to be honest with you. I'm an ER doctor. This is an emergency. Yeah, right. Bring it. You know, so I was reading all of the journals. I was reading all the science, and I'm talking to my peers. I'm saying, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? By this point, you're like a long-established practicing doctor. Correct. I was being uh, the. The doctors have become overwhelmingly employees, right? Doctors used to be small business owners and had some independence. I think in my father's day, it was probably about 20% of doctors perhaps were employees, probably less. Nowadays, I think it's around 75 or 85% of doctors are employees. So I was an employee of a hospital, as many doctors are. We were told what to do. So I think that that contributed to the lack of curiosity. Fascinating. Your employer told you, you did it. That's really, really interesting. It's but I scary. thought the basic precept of medicine, which is, of course, the same as science, because it is a science, was that you don't trust any preconception about anything. Right. So uh, let me share something very, very interesting that I lived through as a practicing doctor. So initially, before hydroxychloroquine was, hydroxychloroquine was so tarnished, people were quite neutral about it. And I said, look at this study from France, from Marseille. You know, what do you think about this? And people shrugged their shoulders. Then... Trump happens to mention it at a press conference. The next day, just, you know, all heck broke loose. And in my hospital, I asked my peers again, like, oh, no, can't use that. That stuff's dangerous. I said, really, what changed from last week when we had this conversation? The only thing that changed was press conferences. A few weeks later... <laughs> and not peer-reviewed press conferences, no, either. A few weeks later, there was an EUA allow, allowing us to use it again. And I asked my peers again, what emergency do you think? Emergency use authorization. Yeah, emergency use authorization. And my peers said, oh, it's fine now. I said, really? Because what changed? Did you read a new study? Like, why are you changing your mind? Doctors flipped back and forth based upon what they were being told at the coronavirus task force meetings and what they heard on Facebook. This was... Game-changing news for me. I had no idea that doctors were not thinking for themselves. It's very, very concerning. Yeah, so doctors not thinking for themselves, but, I mean, hey, Tucker Carlson's putting it out there. That's that's uh, good information. So, basically, it says visit AFLDS.org for more information if you want to hear some more or, or read up on that stuff. So, do your digging. That's another doctor that's just pretty much just saying that, hey, that, that at this point, we should be questioning things. We shouldn't be blindly going into things. 
Uh, just real quick, only because I love Jesus and I love God. This was good stuff. It was a basketball player that the Royals from England, I guess, were visiting, and somebody, a uh, reporter, asked him about it. Did you get a chance to meet with the Royal family? And if not, how was it like having them there in the building? Jesus, Mary, and Joseph? <laughs> the Prince and Princess of Wales. Oh, no, I did not. I'm only familiar with one royal family. I don't know too much about that one. Thank you. But I'm glad they're hopefully they're Celtic fans. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so you're there asking about a worldly royal family, and he he puts out there Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Now you gotta wonder: Is this how God's? Spreading the word, is this how this is going to go out there? He was serious. He was dead serious. And that's the only royal family he knows. And and uh, it makes sense because that's what he believes in. All right, so uh, this is from the Discloser Hub, something that you might want to look into. As an RN with over 30 years in the field, I can say that we can tell who's vaxxed as soon as we draw the blood. Vax blood is darker and clots almost immediately when it's drawn. We tried to warn people. Now they will learn the hard way, unfortunately. Because there's not a lot of stuff that you can do after the fact uh, once people are affected by it. And they are withdrawing clots out of young people, out of people or whatever. But the only thing that's changed is the fact that the uh, mRNA has been in, in put into their body. I have a PhD in virology and immunology. I'm a clinical lab scientist and have tested 1,500 supposed positive COVID-19 samples collected here in Southern California. When my lab team and I did the testing through Koch's postulates and observation under a scanning electron microscope, we found no COVID in any of the 1,500 samples. What we found was that all of the 1,500 samples were mostly influenza A and some were influenza B but not a single case of COVID, and we did not use the BCSP, the, the BSPCR test. It's polymerase chain reaction test. Celia Farber does wonderful journalism on the topic. I did videos on this channel for that. We then sent the remainder of the samples to Stanford, Cornell, and a few of the University of California labs, and they found the same results as we did. No COVID. They found influenza A and B. All of us then spoke to the CDC, and asked for viable samples of COVID, which CDC said they could not provide as they did not have any samples. We have now come to the firm conclusion through all our research and lab work that the COVID-19 was imaginary and fictitious. The flu was called COVID and most of the 225,000 dead were dead through comorbidities such as heart disease, cancer, diabetes, emphysema, etc. Then they got the flu, which further weakened their immune systems, and they died. I have yet to find a single viable sample of COVID-19 to work with. We at the seven universities that did the lab tests on these 1,500 samples are now suing the CDC for COVID-19 fraud. The CDC has yet to send us a single viable, isolated, and purified sample of COVID-19. If they can't or won't send us a viable sample, I say there is no COVID-19. It is fictitious. The four research papers that do describe the genomic extracts of the COVID-19 virus never were successful in isolating and purifying the samples. All the four papers written on COVID-19 only describe small bits of RNA, which were only 37 to 40 base pairs long, which is not a virus. 
A viral genome is typically 30,000 to 40,000 base pairs. With as bad as COVID is supposed to be all over the place, how come no one in any lab worldwide has ever isolated and purified this virus in its entirety? That's because there never really was, they never really found the virus. All they've ever found was small pieces of RNA, which were never identified as the virus anyway. So what we're dealing with is just another flu strain Every year, COVID-19 does not exist and is fictitious. All right. That was good stuff. You got to hear it. I'm just going to keep putting it up. I'm the developer of linguistic genomics, which was the first platform on which you could determine the intent of communication rather than the literal artifact of communication. But we've also used that technology for a number of other applications in defense and intelligence and finance. And most notably, in the early 2000s, my company was responsible for bringing down what was at the time one of the largest tax frauds in U.S. history. We maintained a series of inquiries into every individual, every organization and every company that is involved in anything that either blurs the line of biological and chemical weapons or crosses that line in any of 168 countries. In 1999, there were a million patents digitized by IBM. And those million patents were the first time human innovation had been put into an electronic digital searchable format. We took that information and we did a very simple exercise using our linguistic genomics technology. Where I made the horrific assessment that approximately one-third of all patents filed in the United States were functional forgeries, meaning that while they had linguistic variations, they actually covered the same subject matter. In 1999, patents on coronavirus started showing up, and thus began the rabbit trail. March 2003, panic grips Hong Kong as a deadly new virus sweeps through the city. In 2003, the Center for Disease Control saw the possibility of a gold strike, and that was the coronavirus outbreak that happened in Asia. They saw that a virus they knew could be easily manipulated was something that was very valuable, and in 2003, they sought to patent it. And they made sure that they controlled the proprietary rights to the disease, to the virus, and to its detection, and all of the measurement of it. We know that Anthony Fauci, that Ralph Barrick, that the Center for Disease Control, and the laundry list of people who wanted to take credit for inventing coronavirus, were at the hub of this story. From 2003 to 2018, they controlled 100% of the cash flow that built the empire around the industrial complex of coronavirus. The World Health Organization has officially named the, the novel coronavirus, coronavirus the novel sweeping the country outbreak. The coronavirus crisis, the, the coronavirus is a pandemic, an international a public health pandemic. emergency. While we know that the coronavirus manipulation started with Dr. Ralph Barrick in 1999. The major characteristics of SARS, MERS, and SARS coronavirus 2 is a good way for you Ralph Barrick is the researcher at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, who's famous for his chimeric coronavirus research. In 2002, there was a recognition that the coronavirus was seen as an exploitable mechanism for both good and ill. On April the 25th, 2003, the U.S. Center for Disease Control filed a patent on the coronavirus transmitted to humans. 
Under 35 U.S. Code Section 101, nature is prohibited from being patented. Either SARS, coronavirus, was manufactured, therefore making a patent on it legal, or it was natural, therefore making a patent on it illegal. If it was manufactured, it was a violation of biological and chemical weapons, treaties, and laws. If it was natural, filing a patent on it was illegal. In either outcome, both are illegal. In the spring of 2007, the CDC filed a petition with the Patent Office to keep their application confidential and private. They actually filed patents on not only the virus, but they also filed patents on its detection and a kit to measure it. Because of that CDC patent, they had the ability to control who was authorized and who was not authorized to make independent inquiries into coronavirus. You cannot look at the virus, you cannot measure it, you cannot develop a test kit for it. And by ultimately receiving the patents that constrained anyone from using it, they had the means, they had the motive, and most of all, they had the monetary gain from turning coronavirus from a pathogen to profit. Developing and owning a coronavirus vaccine has become a biotech arms race with political overtones. This vaccine gold rush is starting to bother me. Gold rush? Hmm. Let's keep that in mind. And so somewhere between 2012 and 2013, something happened. The federal funding for research that was feeding into places like Harvard, Emory, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, that funding suddenly became impaired by something that happened at the NIH, where the NIH got this little tiny moment of clarity and said, I think something we're doing is wrong. And in 2013, the NIH said, gain-of-function research on coronavirus should be suspended. The National Institutes of Health had a moral and social and potentially legal reason to object to research. But the letters that were sent to the researchers essentially said, you are receiving notice that we're telling you to stop. And now on the bottom of the page, we're going to clarify what stop means. Keep going. But when the heat gets hot in 2014 and 15, what do you do? You offshore the research. You fund the Wuhan Institute of Virology to do the stuff that sounds like it's getting a little edgy with respect to its morality and legality. But do you do it straightway? No. You run the money through a series of cover organizations to make it look like you're funding a U.S. operation, which then subcontracts with the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The U.S. could say, China did it. China could say, the U.S. did it. And the cool thing is, both of them are almost telling the truth. Yeah, so that's the Plandemic Indoctrination. Watch the full movie at freedomplatform.tv backslash Plandemic. All right, well, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. If you learned anything, send us a dollar. Go to our website and send us a dollar. If you guys want to support us and keep us going, become a truth ambassador. 
or subscribe. Share our podcast to all your friends. Push it out there. Let's see uh, if we can reach, let's just say, a 1,000 subscribers. That would be great. Let's just see if Big T and the Deep Dive for Truth team can work full-time on this. Help us out and subscribe. We're going to keep it coming hard and fast as much as we can. All right? God, family, country, you know the deal. God bless you all. Thanks for listening. Peace. The Deep Dive for Truth team is about digging for the truth. The truth about topics that may or may not be based in reality, but based in the control and manipulation and misguidings of our species by the system. The system that is not for the human species, but for the entitled ones of the human race. If we are going to make a change, we need to do this collectively, using the system against them. Knowledge, resources, species building. We will not be controlled by any government, media, or status group. We will be for you, the human race. We will need your support to tackle this endeavor. We will do this with or without you. But the only way to challenge the system is with everyone's support. There will be connecting topics to show the thread of truth from beginning to the end. Throughout our series, we will be having some fun, hoping that the system may not notice us at all, mainly AI. Hidden in the information, we will remove the blindfold obstructing the truth. That truth will be unveiled to those who really want to know everything about the removal of 90% of the human race. Binary code messages play on words within the jokes, the jests, and the possibilities will propose. Again, this is fiction. The system is watching. You will be informed as to who, what, where, and why the world is the way it is. You'll find out where we are heading and the possibilities of hope and change for our species. The nature of our existence is to gain knowledge. When you follow us to the end, you will become an ambassador of truth. You will be able to spread a warning to our kind. You will be able to spread a message of hope, life, and a future for our species. If you want to follow someone who has been digging deep dives for 35 years and has threaded the needle of truth and who has put the big picture together, then this is for you. Remember, you may not always like what you see, but you will be able to see and sense what is the truth around you. It is time for the Great Awakening.